I'm Pastor Brian Oberg, and I'm so grateful you can join us for this worship service at Bethel in Marquette. You know, there's an old saying that says, tough times never last, but tough people do. And how true that really is. Tough times do come to an end, but tough people never come to their end. And that's true of many significant people in history. Lock him in a prison cell, and you have a John Bunyan. Bury him in the snows of Valley Forge, and you have a George Washington. Raise him in abject poverty, and you have an Abraham Lincoln. Burn him so severely that the doctors say he will never walk again. And you have a Glenn Cunningham, who in his day set the world's one-mile record. And raise her as a black girl in a society filled with racial discrimination, and you have a Marian Anderson whose singing inspired the world. You know, some of the toughest people that ever lived are recorded for us in Hebrews chapter 11. And many of us know that that chapter is called the Hall of Faith chapter of the Bible. Ordinary people became extraordinary through their faith. And the key to their lives was their trust in God. As we might expect, Abraham is given more space in Hebrews chapter 11 than any other Old Testament character. And we're not surprised by that because outside of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, Abraham is the greatest example of faith. This morning, I want us to look at a message I'm entitling, Becoming a Person of Growing Faith from Hebrews 11, 17 to 19. And what Abraham teaches us from his experience is what we can expect if our faith in the Lord is growing. Is your faith in the Lord growing today? Well, if it is, here's the things that you can expect. To begin with, if your faith is growing, expect to be tested. Expect that there will be times God will place you in a crucible of testing, and there your relationship with him will be proved. Now, that's not fun to hear. It's not pleasant for us, but we all know that it makes sense. If the Christian life was easy, faith would not be needed. And if we could always see clearly, faith would be uncalled for. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says we do not walk by sight, but we walk by faith. Now listen to what verse 17 here in Hebrews 11 says. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. The word test here is taken right from Genesis 22.1, which we heard read a little earlier. It came to pass that God tested Abraham. And the testing we know was for him to offer up his son Isaac as a burnt offering on Mount Moriah. The interesting thing is no attempt was made by God to explain why he would ask for such an unthinkable thing. And by the way, isn't that why the tests of life are often so difficult? They often seem to us to make no sense. There is sometimes in our minds no rhyme or reason for the test we may be facing. You know, no explanation for why God requested this of Abraham is needed because the word itself explains the reason why. 
this word for test is uh, used in a couple of different senses in the New Testament. It is used in a negative sense of temptation, and that's to bring out the worst in us. That's what Satan does. But here, it is used in a positive sense of test to bring something good unto us, and we know that's what God does. Um, in a sermon entitled, Faith Tested and Crowned, Pastor Alexander McLaren very beautifully explained these two senses of this word. Listen to what he says. Temptation conveys the idea of appealing to the worst part of us with the wish that we may yield and do wrong. Test means an appeal to the better part of us with the desire that we should stand. Temptation says, do this pleasant thing and do not be hindered by the fact that it is wrong. Trial or proving says do this right and noble thing and do not be hindered by the fact that it is painful. That's what God was doing with Abraham. He was testing him to bring out the very best in his faith and that's what God also does with you and with me. Do you know the author of the very famous hymn, This Is My Father's World, was Pastor Maltby Babcock. And he one time made a statement that all of us understand, but then he went on to give us an additional insight that Abraham well knew. Listen to what Pastor Babcock said. The tests of life are to make us, not to break us. If God then puts or permits anything hard in our lives, be sure that the real peril, the real trouble, is that we shall lose if we flinch or rebel. Just think of the loss to Abraham and the loss to us if he had flinched or rebelled. We would not have, perhaps, the greatest example in all the Bible of faith outside of the Lord Jesus himself. We would not have the greatest illustration of the greatest sacrifice ever made when God sacrificed his son had Abraham flinched or rebelled. And we would not have the greatest example in the Old Testament of the cost of loving God and the cost of obedience. All of those things were wrapped up in this test that God brought to Abraham. Now here's the second thing that we learn. We learn if your faith is growing, expect to make very hard decisions. Expect if your walk with the Lord is a walk of growing faith, that there will be times you'll be faced with choices and alternatives where you will have to make very difficult decisions. All of us remember, and this is a day of graduation, all of us remember in high school or in college that we wondered uh, whether the teacher we were going to have was hard or easy. And we knew if we took a class with a hard teacher that that meant we were going to have hard tests in that class. Well, the Bible makes it clear that often God is a hard teacher. And passing his tests is not easy. The great devotional writer Oswald Chambers said, Obedience to God will sometimes mean that one time or another you will enter into desolation. 
And this was Abraham's point of greatest desolation. How in the world do you obey this? Well, we know the story. Abraham did not know the story. All Abraham knew is this is what God said. And by the way, isn't that the way it is many times with us? All we know is this is what the Bible says. And we know that obedience to what the Bible says will maybe put us in a difficult spot. It will cause us to lose something or it will go cross purposes to what we may think is what we need in our lives. And all we know and understand is this is what the Bible says as hard as it may be. The hardness for Abraham is emphasized for us in these verses. In verse 17, he is told to offer his only son. That means the one and only son, one of a kind. And then in verse 18, we are told, through Isaac, your offspring will be named. All of Abraham's dreams were wrapped up in this son. We know that Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for the birth of Isaac. Probably it was much closer to 35 or 40 years. And this request of God, it made absolutely no sense whatsoever. And as we're going to see, Abraham was absolutely convinced he was going to have to go through this. He believed that God had a plan, but that plan would take place after the death of his son. You know, I think this really devastates for us the idea that God's goal for believers is for us always to be happy. Sometimes we think that, that as a Christ follower, somebody who belongs to the family of God, that things are going to go well for us all the time. But one of the things the Bible teaches us, and we see this right here, is God is doing something far, far greater than our own personal happiness. And growing faith understands and knows this. Growing faith knows that temporary happiness can never ever equal long-term obedience and growing faith knows the Christian life is a long obedience in the same direction. Bible teacher William Barclay brings this very much home to us. Listen to what he says, Abraham knew and we instinctively know as well as we read the word of God. This event teaches us that we must be ready to sacrifice what is dearest to us for the sake of loyalty to God. And how true that is. There are times in our lives as Christians that what is dearest to us, what we want, what is important to us, what we think that we need to have must be forsaken out of our loyalty to God. This past January, Ellen and I had the opportunity to be in Florida. And while we were there in Orlando, we went to a very interesting place called the Scriptorium that houses many ancient biblical manuscripts. It was an amazing place to visit. One of the things we did not expect to see as we went through the exhibit was the very key to the jail cell where John Bunyan was held for preaching the gospel. 
What a somber moment that was, an unexpected moment to look at that key and realize this man, except for a very few exceptions, was imprisoned for 12 years for his devotion to preaching the gospel. And here's what John Bunyan said about that. He said, I saw in this condition I was a man who was pulling down his own house upon the head of his wife and children. Think of that choice that he faced. If I stop preaching, I can go home and care for my wife and my children. But if I keep preaching, I will remain locked in a prison cell and I will have this sense that I am pulling down the house around the heads of my own family. And yet as John Bunyan thought about that choice that faced him, here's what he said, yet I thought I must do it. I must do it. And how grateful we are because it was from that prison cell that that wonderful book, The Pilgrim's Progress, emerged. You see, God had a greater plan, far greater plan for John Bunyan and the world, did he not? And God has a plan for us and for others through us, and that plan compels us to say, I must do it, I must do it, for the sake of God's call upon my life. You see, growing faith always, always accepts that God's plan will require some very difficult choices. Well, now the third expectation that we learn as we look at the climax here to this incredibly difficult incident in the life of Abraham is this. If your faith is growing, Expect that God will be sufficient for you. What a wonderful encouragement that is. If your faith is growing in all the tests of life and the difficult choices that you must make for the Lord, expect that God will be enough for you. God will show up for you, and when He does, you will discover He is sufficient. Do you remember how long Abraham's trip was? It was three days. And we might wonder, what was he thinking? Well, verse 19 here in Hebrews 11 tells us exactly what he was thinking. Listen. He considered that God was able even to raise Isaac from the dead. What was Abraham thinking about? He was thinking about God. Genesis 22 gives us the words of Abraham, but Hebrews 11 gives us the thoughts of Abraham. And his thoughts about God were the key to his faith. And by the way, isn't that always true for us? Of course it is. What we think about God, what we believe about the Lord, what we are convinced in our heart of hearts is true about him is always the foundation that undergirds our faith. It's interesting here when the Bible says that Abraham considered God, considered is a math term. We get our word in English, logic, from this word. And it means to calculate, to consider, to conclude by reason. So here's what Abraham did. 
He reasoned about the God that he knew, and based on his reasoning, he drew a conclusion that enabled him in faith to do an incredibly difficult thing. In fact, here in these verses, we can put Abraham's reasoning into a syllogism that involves two calculations and one conclusion. And when you see the calculations and you understand the conclusion, you know why Abraham was able to do what he did. Here's the first calculation. God never breaks his promises. Verse 17 said Abraham had the promises of God and he knew God never breaks those promises. Calculation number two. God wants me to kill my son in whom those promises are fulfilled. Abraham was in the very act of doing that. What then was the conclusion? Well, according to verse 19, here's what Abraham concluded. God must be planning to raise my son from the dead. God must be planning at the end of my obedience to perform a resurrection and bring my son back to life. Now think about this. The amazing thing about this is a resurrection had never happened. Abraham did not have an Easter Sunday to look back to, to bolster his faith like we do. We can look back to Easter Sunday and say, I know God can raise the dead. Abraham had no experience he knew about that would bolster his faith. But what did Abraham know? Abraham knew the character of God. And he knew that God is always sufficient and he knew if he obeyed God's word, God would show himself to be God. You see, it was Abraham's knowledge of God that made him raise that knife and ready to plunge it in the heart of his son. By the way, did God take care of the details? Well, what does verse 19 say? It says, figuratively speaking, Abraham did receive Isaac back from the dead. Isaac was spared from certain death by the ram which God provided in the bush. What are we to learn from this? Well, obviously, this is the greatest illustration of all of the greatest sacrifice ever made when God did not spare his own son, but, but delivered him up for us all. But then we are also called upon in our obedience to do what Abraham did, expecting that when we do, God will be sufficient. You know, there's one detail in this event that might escape our notice. And that is Abraham named the mountain. We know he went to Mount Moriah. That's where this episode of great faith took place. But Abraham renamed the mountain. In verse 14 of Genesis 22, he named it, The Lord Will Provide. That is the famous Jehovah Jireh. The Lord sees. And the construction means to look out for. It means to see to it. It means to provide. And that's what Abraham knew about God. He knew that God looks out for his own. And so if we trust him, 
If we make the right choice, no matter how hard that choice might be, God will look out for his own. If we know that today, our faith will be growing. And in all the tests of our life, and in all those difficult decisions that will come our way, those moments of desolation, as Oswald Chambers described them, will be growing in our faith with the Lord, and he will accomplish in us, for us, and for others, all that he plans in our lives. Let's take a moment, shall we? And let's thank him for his wonderful goodness to us. Gracious Lord, we bow in your presence this morning. And we are reminded that the Bible teaches us that through many tribulations, we must enter into the kingdom of God. We're reminded of Jesus' words that if we are to follow him, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him daily. But we thank you, Lord, as we are rooted and grounded in the truths of your word that reveal to us your amazing character and promises for your children, that we can grow in our faith, and we can rise up in obedience and follow you no matter the cost. And we can know that when we do, we will be like a tree that is planted by rivers of living water. It will bring forth its fruit in its season. It will not wither. And whatsoever we do, we will prosper. Prosper in the greatest sense, the best sense. Prosper spiritually in the way that the Lord intends to enrich our lives so that we might be a wonderful example of faith to all around us and demonstrate the character, the goodness, the faithfulness of God. Lord, today we love you and we trust you. And we thank you that in all of our lives, you do demonstrate that you are God. How we thank you for Jesus' wonderful sake. Amen. If you are watching us outside of the Marquette area, we're so delighted that you've joined us. And if there's any way that we can help you in your walk with the Lord, just contact us here at Bethel Baptist Church in Marquette, Michigan. God bless you.